what's happening to the markets and the U.S. economy. That's what many are wondering as tensions are rising in Europe. Here's what President Joe Biden said on Tuesday. Yesterday, Vladimir Putin recognized two regions of Ukraine as independent states. And he bizarrely asserted that these regions are no longer part of Ukraine and their sovereign territory. To put it simply, Russia just announced that it is carving out a big chunk of Ukraine. This is the beginning of a Russian invasion of Ukraine, as he indicated and asked permission to be able to do from his Duma. So how will this conflict and sanctions by the U.S. impact us here at home? Well, there's a lot of different factors at play here, and we're taking a closer look at several key elements in today's Mach 1 Market Moment. Welcome to the Mach 1 Market Moment, where we provide financial information on topics such as investing, insurance, financial planning, and everything related to your money. A quick reminder that the hosts of the show are employees of Mach 1 Financial Group. This podcast is for informational purposes only, and nothing said in the show should be taken as investment advice. Employees and clients of Mach 1 Financial Group may maintain positions in the securities or strategies discussed. We upload a brand new podcast every Thursday, so be sure to subscribe to our show so you never miss an episode. Also, follow us on all of our social media platforms. We are Mach 1 Financial Group on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube. If you have a question you want us to answer here on the podcast, just send an email to podcast at Mach1FG.com. If you want to learn more about your financial future, you can schedule a free consultation with any of our advisors here at Mach 1 with absolutely no obligation. Just head to Mach1FG.com for more information. You may notice that our podcast sounds a little different today. We're recording this on Wednesday, and here in Northwest Arkansas, we're getting sleet and snow, and most of us are working from home. And so we're recording this via Zoom. So if it's a little bit different, don't change anything. We'll be back to normal next week. Well, welcome to the Mach 1 Market Moment. This is episode 90. We're scaring 100. Today, we're going to take a closer look at what a lot of people are keeping on these days, the ongoing conflict between Russia and Ukraine. Conflict itself can have a significant impact on the markets, and most of you have seen that. But add that to the United States' involvement after President Biden announced his sanctions against Russia, and then we have what we're dealing with today. So take a listen to what the president had to say. We're implementing full blocking sanctions on two large Russian financial institutions, VEB and their military bank. We're implementing comprehensive sanctions on Russian sovereign debt. That means we've cut off Russia's government from Western financing. It can no longer raise money from the West and cannot trade in its new debt on our markets or European markets either. Starting tomorrow and continuing in the days ahead, will also impose sanctions on Russia's elites and their family members. They share in the corrupt gains of the Kremlin policies and should share in the pain as well. So what is the impact of the sanctions? So we have the initial sanctions in place, and there could be more to come if Russia escalates things further there in Ukraine. So what would the direct impact be of these sanctions on the U.S. economy and the world economy? David and Matt? I mean, we've seen the market do crazy things as this morning started out up and now it's down as the time of this recording. What's going to happen with the markets? Well, uh, I mean, the true answer is we don't know for sure. However, we're seeing we're already seeing some impact 
uh, on the market as we speak. The market continues uh, its downward uh, move. Uh, you have to always remember one thing I always remind clients of is markets are not necessarily uh, an indicator of what's happening today. Markets are always forward looking and they're trying to predict what may happen uh, in the relatively near future, say three to six months out based on what's going on today. So what I think, um, like what we saw happen in the market in say January, I believe was a uh, the market trying to uh, price in the Fed's potential interest rate hikes. We talked about that on the last couple of episodes. Now, the I think the market is obviously reacting to what's going on in, in Ukraine and looking at potential potentially higher gasoline prices, uh, which obviously will impact U.S. consumer spending. We've talked about that before on, on this show. You know, 70% of U.S. GDP comes from consumer spending. And so if gas prices go a lot higher, I've seen projections for them to go as high as $7 a gallon, that, that's a large chunk of most Americans' discretionary spending that's going to be going into their gas tank, which leaves less discretionary spending to flow throughout the rest of the economy, which would be detrimental. Well, you've hit on the stock market. You talked a little bit about you know the gas. Matt, what do you think this is going to have on oil across the country, across the world, rather? Yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, I think... <laughs> to some of it goes back to you know wanting to have our uh energy and oil independence and why yeah. to, that would be really helpful especially in times like this right so um i definitely think it it might make some people rethink if gas and oil go, gets really out of hand and really expensive right some people that maybe were against certain things and against oil independence and what that might mean might might reconsider or I, or I would hope let's say i would hope that they would reconsider yeah. how important that might be um but I don't know. We'll, you know, we'll see. I think, you know, there's oil all over the world. Um, if this stays a, a, a Russia-Ukraine thing and it kind of stays between those two and, you know, everyone all over the world doesn't start getting involved, then I think, I think my guess is we can kind of keep, keep the oil and gas prices under control just by shifting maybe where, you know, we're sourcing that from um, to some extent. But, you know, you start getting a lot of countries, a lot of parties involved everyone's impacted and everyone's throwing resources at a bigger conflict, you know, then that obviously gets a little harder to control for various reasons. So that's one of the risks we talked about yesterday as we were preparing for this podcast, right? Is that anytime you start to have global conflict or the potential for conflict, there's always a risk that it escalates into something much bigger than anyone anticipates. Right. And so if you've got uh, you've got all these NATO countries, uh, you know, Germany, uh, obviously the United States, uh, France, et cetera, over there. Um, and so there's always the potential that it could, you know, flare up into something much bigger than just a very regional conflict between Russia and the Ukraine. As long as you, if you take that off the table, one of the things we talked about yesterday also is theoretically, I mean, you should be able to keep this uh, under control because what do we say? I can't remember what we said yesterday. What percentage of Russia's economy is based on 60, oil I and, think. Yeah. Oil like and 60 gas. 60% yeah. was. Yeah. And we, and we import very little of our gas from, from over there. So we could really, we could really, uh, you know, crush their economy theoretically, unless maybe the Chinese come in and start to buy up their, their oil and gas. So theoretically you should be able to keep it under control, but 
there's always risk that it can flare up into something unexpected. And I think that's the key here. And I think that's why we're seeing the markets do what it is. The markets don't like uncertainty. That's right. And we're not real certain where this is going to go. Uh, what other countries are going to do, you know, Germany has stepped in and say, Hey, stop that pipeline, which they had originally said, go forward with the Nordstrom two. And so who else is going to jump in and do something different? Uh, That that's the big question. As of this morning, we saw the cyber attack on Ukraine on their government officials, some of their businesses. So uh, there's been talk about them like they did to our pipeline, that cyber attack that shut down the pipeline on the East coast drove gas up five, six, seven dollars a gallon. Um, that could easily happen to us. So the uncertainty is the piece that uh, it's causing the market, I believe is doing the, the gyrations it's doing. Uh, Matt, you had some, some quotes, some numbers yesterday we were talking about, about back in when World War II hit and what, what the markets did. And can you share that with us? Yeah, so I was I, I was looking at a lot of information this morning, but there was this I stumbled across this article from it's from Seeking Alpha. A lot of you guys have probably seen that, but um, it was just kind of going through historical returns during different you know geo, geopolitical conflicts or different wars and times of war. And it was really interesting to see you know how the market initially reacted, maybe in a day or a week, you know, maybe when a single event took place or happened. And then, you know, how the market performed over the following six to 12 months after that. And so if you go back and look at like some just, you know, very historical examples, right? Pearl Harbor, for example, the S&P dropped 11% in a single day after the attack. Germany declared war on the U.S. The U.S. declared war on Germany the same day. And despite all of this, a year later, the market S&P was up 15% a year later. The Vietnam War and the Gulf Wars um, that brought that had both short-lived drops followed by long upward trajectories. You know, you look at the World War II specifically, the Dow was up over more than 50% from the start and end of World War II. So over just that right at a 7% annualized return. And you look at both of the world wars, World War I and World War II, the stock market grew by and was up 115% during both of those world wars. And so it, it is interesting. And there's this chart that just shows, you know, the average drawdown for various, you know, you look at the Madrid bombing, the U.S. terrorist attacks, Reagan shooting, and it goes down through all these lists of a bunch of, you know, big events that took place. The, the average total drawdown was pretty low. The bottom, the days to bottom was 22 and the days to recover was 47. So will the market react and will it have Sure. I mean, the market, like you said earlier, Mike, doesn't like the unknown. It doesn't like, you know, volatility in the world and politically. But I think the market still cares a heck of a lot more about inflation and rates than it does Russia, Ukraine. And so I think over the next six to 12 months, that will prove to be true. And we can come back and listen to this to see if that's right. (laughs) And it cares about company profits and people making money. Um, and so Matt, what you're basically saying is some of the worst times in our history, the market has dropped. Yes. But then it's recovered. And that's kind of what we preach here is make a plan, stick to the plan. And when things like this hit the fan, don't panic because you already have a plan. Uh, we said a couple of episodes ago about a house building a house in Florida. Well, you don't panic every time there's a hurricane, because if you built your house, right. It should withstand it. You may get a little damage. You may drop a few percentage points, but 
stick with it. Uh, so th that, that would yeah. be the, the theme for today is, yes, what's going on now is not good. It is absolutely not good. But don't panic. Don't panic. Yeah, one thing real quick. So th this article goes on to actually show some, some various metrics and says that if you actually look at historical volatility in markets d outside of war times compared to during war times, the market's actually less volatile during times of war. And which is very counterintuitive, right? Yeah, it's counter, not what yeah. you would think that the one exception is the Gulf War, um, which I guess there was some more volatility during that time. But it just goes to show this whole like timing thing and this whole thing of like, we acting like we know more than we know. There's so much to investing is just having the humility to, to accept that we don't more than we know, right? Mm -hmm. And so thinking like and acting like, hey, there's this conflict and it's going to mean x y and z in the markets and it's going to lead to this and so we need to take this step and like that's what people want to say because it makes them feel good doing something right taking action makes you feel good makes you feel like you're making a decision and a right decision in the moment but this this example of you know markets actually being less volatile during times of war than than it is historically outside of that is a great example that oftentimes the best case is just to have the plan and stick to it and do absolutely nothing. We talked about that yesterday also, right? I mean, just diversify. We talked about how that's actually biblical, Ecclesiastes 11, 1 and 2, for those of you that maybe haven't listened to the podcast in a while, you know, diversify. And uh, we would add to diversification hedging. So be diversified, be hedged, and stick with your plan. And, uh, you know, one of the questions that came up yesterday also that I think is worthy of mentioning here is I think Eli asked it, you know, is, is there ever a time where we would recommend someone not stay invested? And what I would say to that is, yeah, if you're, if you're in or near retirement and you don't have your income problem solved, you need to address that. And what I, so what do I mean by that studies show that retirees who have enough income from guaranteed sources such as social security, pensions, private pensions like annuities, et cetera. If you have enough income coming in from guaranteed sources to fully uh, satisfy all of your month to month living expenses, you're gonna tend to live longer, healthier, and uh, with less stress because you don't have to worry about the inevitable ups and downs that come along with being in the market. So the answer is, you know, is there ever a time where we would recommend someone not be, you know, stay invested? And my answer would be, yeah, if you're retired or near retirement and you've got a hundred percent of your money in the market and you think that you're going to be relying on withdrawals from a market that's going to be volatile to satisfy your month to month, uh, living expenses, that's probably not a good sustainable plan. Uh, certainly not going to be a plan that's going to be uh, worry-free and stress-free. So we would recommend addressing that, you know, solve for income first is what we always say when we're working with someone who's in or near retirement. So David, there's people listening to this that are not clients and they don't have that planned and they're not real sure what's going on with their assets or do they have enough? What, what would you recommend they do? Yes, that's a, that's a good question, Mike. What I would, my recommendation, what I would uh, recommend is that if you don't already have a financial advisor, find one, do your research, do your homework. You know, you can find Google is a wonderful tool. You can find a lot about uh, different advisors. You can use a resource called broker check to find out about your advisor make sure that they or potential advisor that you're thinking about hiring and make sure they've got a clean record, make sure they're a fiduciary so that they're operating with your 
best interest at heart. But yeah, that I would highly recommend, you know, seeking the counsel of an investment advisor and an advisor who is also going to work alongside your tax advisor, like your CPA or tax attorneys to come up with good long-term uh, sustainable plans to create uh, a less, I don't know if I'd use the word worry-free, but let's put it this way, a, a retirement that's going to create less worry and stress for you. And we are also still taking new clients as well. So if that's something you'd like to do, we'd love to talk with you. Okay, David, there's some other, or Matt, either one of you, there's some other factors that are could be impacting the markets. Uh, we kind of hit on this earlier, inflation. Um, we're, we're seeing that all across the board, whether you look at looking at food prices, energy prices, housing prices, we're seeing that. And so uh, the ongoing risk continues to be, what is the Fed going to do relative to interest rates? I guess we'll all find out here. Is it the first week of March, I think, when they're supposed to uh, announce their first interest rate hike decision? So it'll be very interesting to see if they do indeed go forward with raising rates. I think they're going to have to in order just to just preserve their own credibility. But so what I think is going to be the more interesting uh, factor is how much are they going to raise interest rates by? What I think the market has probably baked into the cake is about a quarter of a point uh, increase. And so it'll be interesting to see if they do a quarter point or if they do less than that or more than that. That's one of the risks right now. Well, and, and Matt, on this one, if the Fed does bump the interest rates up and we've got all of this craziness going on over in the Ukraine and prices going through the roof, when you raise interest rate, things cost more. What could that do to our economy? Well, I mean, it could theoretically, and the whole idea of raising rates is try to not let things get overheated, right? Not to, to try to slow things down a little bit, but without slowing them down too much. And so it's, you're walking a fine line. Um, but I think from, again, trying to always kind of go back to from, you know, looking at from the market's perspective, the market's always trying to get out ahead of these things. So like David yep. said, you know, it's priced in, some of this stuff, how yeah. the economy reacts after the fact and what consumer spending does, you know, we won't know until after rates have actually increased and we see how consumers react. But I think from a market standpoint, it's already kind of baked in. So like David said, unless the Fed comes in and does something, unex you know, quote unquote, unexpected relative to what the market's not, you know, already priced in, I think the market can absorb you know the rate hikes just fine because it's probably why we've seen some of the you know volatility here to start the year um but it will be interesting looking back six 12 months from now and seeing you know what uh, you know how how many cars are being bought you know how many new homes are being bought and how people are spending money are they still spending um spending like they were or at least near the levels they were because if we started to see some real, real steep, you know, declines or drawdowns in consumer spending, and then I think the market would then try to yet again, kind of try to predict what's going to come following that from corporate profits and earnings and revenues. And so we'd see the market react accordingly. Uh, just a teaser, maybe for a future podcast, you know, the Fed's between a rock and a hard place. Yes, they need, they need to control inflation. They need to cool it off, do that by raising rates. But when you do that, what does that do to the national debt, which is now yeah. about 30 trillion dollars so now you just made it cost more for the country by raising that so that's for another podcast so and you know we talked a lot about ukraine and russia uh something closer to home though we should be thinking about as well is what just happened up in canada you know that trucker convoy i understand today it's on its we have one on the way to the washington dc in preparation for the state of the union 
David, any thoughts? Right. Yeah. I mean, frankly, it's, it's concerning to me to see, uh, a close allied neighbor right across our Northern border essentially become practically a dictatorship overnight by declaring martial law and clearing out these convoys. The, uh, I don't know if, if y'all have seen, but the mayor, I think it was the mayor of Ontario even proposed selling the, the rigs of the trucks that they had seized. Can you imagine that? I mean, someone basically seizing your private business and then selling it. Uh, it's, it's incomprehensible to me. So the, there's a couple of risks there, you know, if, you know, Lord willing, we would never see anything like that uh, come close to happening in our country. But, you know, there's a lot of things that have happened in our own country in the last two years that people would have previously thought impossible. But um, with respect to, you know, short-term risk in the market, uh, it, like you hit on, Mike, this convoy is supposedly headed to Washington, D.C. to uh, protest the upcoming State of the Union address, which I believe is on, scheduled for March 1st. So, you know, how many, how many trucks are participating in that? Is that going to have any kind of uh, measurable impact on the pressure that's already on the logistical supply chain? It'll be interesting to see. A lot going on in the world. Uh, a sure. lot for us to be thankful for as well. So, Matt, oh. if we want to put a bow on today's podcast, number 90, what should the listeners do? Yeah, I think we say it over and over, but just have a plan, stick to it. Don't let recent events, whether it be geopolitical or whatever, don't let short-term events that, that come and go make you feel like you should completely alter and change your plan. Now, every plan needs to be adjusted and tweaked. So that doesn't mean don't review it. Don't you know talk to whoever you work with. But, but feeling like you have to scrap everything because Putin's threatening Ukraine and we need to now take a completely different approach, you know, I know that's kind of a, we were talking about it not long ago. It's easier to be pessimistic than it is optimistic a lot of times. Right. And so just accepting that, Hey, in times of like, in times like this, it's easy. The easy response is to be fearful. So let's, let's just kind of calm down, think through, you know, what our plan is, stick to it and try to be optimistic about things long-term. So oftentimes the best thing to do is absolutely nothing. So part of the plan that we like to recommend here is stay hedged and stay invested. Stay hedged, stay invested. The historical data, we talked about that today. Even during some of the worst times in our country, the market has come back. And if you don't know anything about annuities uh, and you're a little bit panicked, if you have an annuity today with us or with someone, a fixed indexed annuity of that type, you're glad you have it because it's safe money. So those are some of the things you can tactically do. And like we said earlier, if you don't have a plan, please seek out a fiduciary financial advisor to help you develop that plan because it'll give you a sense of peace uh, during times like this. Each podcast, we like to end with a thought of the day, and I couldn't think of a better one than when Warren Buffett says, and we've mentioned this, says, be fearful when others are greedy, but be greedy when others are fearful. Meaning when people are running out of the market, selling everything, man, stuff is on sale. That's when to put money into the market. And that's counterintuitive. But according to Warren Buffett, be fearful when others are greedy and be greedy when others are fearful. Well, folks, that's it for episode 90. We look forward to you joining us next week for episode 91 here on the Mach 1 Market Moment.
Mach 1 Financial Group, Inc. Mach 1 is an SEC-registered investment advisor located in Bentonville, Arkansas. Mach 1 may only transact business in those states in which it maintains a notice filing or qualifies for an exemption or exclusion from registration requirements. SEC registration does not constitute an endorsement of the firm by the commission, nor does it indicate that the advisor has attained a particular skill level or ability. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. All investment strategies have the potential for profit or loss. The information presented is the sole opinion of the speaker and is not meant to be investment advice. Mach 1 does not provide tax or legal advice. You should speak with your tax or legal advisor regarding your specific situation. For full disclosures, please visit www.mock-1financial.com disclosures.